Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 100th episode of Drama School Dropout. This week, it's absolutely mental. But before we jump into the episode, we're going to do a little like recap of Drama School Dropout. And I'm here with the one and only Heather Spiden. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming back. No, I cannot believe I'm coming back. And it's a celebration of 100 episodes. Meaning that blows my mind brain body and spirit i'm so happy for you <laughs> i'm I, i'm very shocked that like we've got to triple digits i know and i remember all those many months ago being on number one episode number one and now you're on a hundred i know i know it, it, and it is it's mental i remember texting you being like hey i've got this idea i kind of want to do this i know and whenever my phone bings and i see ingram i'm like what is this crazy they're <laughs> doing now what's the big idea but you know what? it was good i thought what a good way to sort of pass the time something extra on lockdown i remember your wee cheap microphone you're like right let's do this my little 17 pound shot from yeah. amazon <laughs> And it did the job, don't get me wrong. I remember us laughing, having to retake, retake that bloody first episode so many times. <sighs> so we're just laughing, like, how how does one podcast? How now, how does one podcast? Wow, like... And I still don't now, know. No, you're doing so well, of course you're doing. The fucking calibre of people you've had on as well is just unbelievable. I mean, you've definitely upgraded since episode one with little old me. I'll, I'll never upgrade to you, Heather. <laughs> you are always the upgrade. <laughs> no you've done amazing i'm i'm so happy to be celebrating 100 episodes i think it's it's amazing it's mad it's absolute madness who would have ever known that i would stick to something for this long i know wow we're really <laughs> normally i'm like i'll do five and i'm done i know i know as the numbers were ticking up i was like okay 27 28 is yeah. 30 the lucky number can we end yeah. it there? <laughs> is he gonna <laughs> shut up? Oh, never! Oh, come on! <laughs> no, it, it's it's actually it is very fitting that someone like me, well, not someone like me, me has a job speaking. <laughs> yeah, I know that's people are fitted to their roles. That's yeah. a good one for you. <laughs> but we do have a bit of an ex- exciting announcement. We do, we do which indeed. is it's a little bit mental. So a lot of people followed along with us. It's mental to say last year. And the beginning of this year. Although I don't know how good we were at keeping up with it towards the end. <laughs> but let's give us some credit. We were dealing with a lot of shit. But on that vein, this is where we get off as coming back. We're back, baby. <laughs> back, bitches. Uh, we literally yesterday, not at the time of recording, not on the Monday, on the Sunday, we um shot the new promotional poster. I know, and it's looking good. It, looks, it is. I love it. It's it looks great. It's a good sign of what's to come, I hope, even though we did have a little, <laughs> a little blip oh. the first thing. Triggered. PTSD. Oh. Bit of bit of craziness, even. But would it be this is where we get off if there wasn't us running around like headless chickens the night before we're doing something? Absolutely not. Like, I don't think a smooth run is something either of us i don't think that would be comfortable with it can you imagine everyone no. just went like would be like wait what i'd be like what do we do 
I might just start causing drama just so we feel at home. You can all come and see This Is Where We Get Off on the 11th of February, 2023, at the same place as it was before, Webster's Theatre. Hopefully we're going to add, I know we keep saying this, um, but genuinely it just comes down to finances. Obviously we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because there's so much. So we're doing our best to try and get this story told and to tell it around the UK. So hopefully we will be able to. But currently we're sticking in Glasgow, 11th of February, 2023. And tickets go on sale on Monday, which is a bit mad. It's a bit mad. Tickets go on sale on Monday. You'll be able to see our lovely new promotional photo, which I will actually say, I don't know why I went, which um, I I will say that the new new poster is a lot better than the first one. We we knew what we were doing this time. Yeah. It's it's just so oh, it's just so sexy. I love it. it. Is. It's like us, <laughs> like us. Yeah, sitting here the way we look right now. I know. I just had that <laughs> thought. I was like, how dare you say that? Look at the neck of us. I don't know if you can send a a screenshot along with this episode just for context. We are not sexy. People. I, I wouldn't be showing people what I look like anywhere right now. Do you know what I mean? So like, we're definitely not putting a screenshot on the on the on the gram. Um, but yeah, tickets are available. Um, if you want to make this 100th episode um, a little bit more special, please go and buy tickets to This Is Where We Get Off and come and see it. It's a great show. Got five stars. Everybody loved it. Um, and also, big thing that I've not spoke about on the podcast yet, my new magazine is now available and you can purchase yeah. it using the ticket, the link in the show notes below. Dropout Magazine is out. And I've I've seen it digitally and I now have a cold heart copy and I will tell you, it's amazing. I'm so chuffed. It looks fantastic. So I think everybody should get uh, involved in that. It's a love letter to the arts industry. It's a love letter to this podcast. And it's a love letter to the people other than myself who have helped create this podcast, which include all of you. And also there's lots of stuff about the play in there. Lots of pictures, lovely pictures um, taken by Craig Mackay. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> taken by him and some taken by me and yeah it's it's great it's um 68 pages something like that lovely magazine it's make sure magazine. you go make sure you go down and um copy your copy in the in the link below do you like what i did there copy your copy i did it's very clever <laughs> I'm such i'm such a master of um wordsmithery is that what is that <laughs> correct <laughs> no but we'll run with it yes i'm a master of wordsmithery um but yes let's without further ado let's get on to the 100th episode because it's an absolute cracker of an episode i am ingram noble i'm your resident drama school dropout and heather she's sometimes a drama school dropout sometimes <laughs> sometimes on, anyway. on the odd occasion um but for this 100th episode i am joined by the absolutely also can we just talk about for the fact how fitting it is that i've got somebody from shameless on the 100th episode yeah no i had that was not lost on me (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the 100th episode of drama school dropout with my guest aaron mccusker thank you so much to everybody who's made this possible over 100 episodes it's been absolutely mental i still cannot believe that we're sitting here cannot believe that me and heather are still in our natural state of heather's in bed and i'm two feet from my bed um (laughs) nothing nothing has changed um but without further ado roll the theme tune which is performed by um my nan heather's wonderful friend anna davidson drama school dropout no graduation day for you drama school dropout don't you hold cold 
try something new. Welcome to the podcast. How are we? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. It's all good. And thank you for coming on and being part of the 100th episode. Well, not part of, you are the 100th episode. That's great. That's great. I'm, and I, and I, I believe I'm in very good company. I was talking to my mate, Kieran Griffiths, last week, and um, he said he'd uh, he'd done your podcast, and he said he had, he had a lot of fun doing it. So let's hope he wasn't, um, he wasn't bullshitting me. I, I am an arsehole. I've just got to let you know that. <laughs> Kieran, Kieran was an experience, because obviously he's over in Australia. and Kieran is an experience. I mean, he's just, he, Kieran Griffiths is one of the nicest Oh, 100%. He's obviously he's over in Australia and yeah. he sent me back a time and I was like, yeah, book it in. Like, because I was like, Kieran Griffiths, of course, like whatever time you want. Then I realized that it was one o'clock in the morning, oh, my time. And then I realized actually the clocks went forward. So it was actually two o'clock in the morning. Oh, and I had another podcast booked in at nine o'clock the next morning, and then had to go to uni at 11. Oh, damn. I bet you got it all, didn't you? Yes, we got it done. We got, it was that. But thank you so much for coming on, genuinely. I'm going to get it out of the way before, so we can have a normal conversation. Okay. Shameless absolutely changed my life. Really? I watched Shameless when I shouldn't have been watching Shameless. I've Mm. told the story a million and one times. It was when, you know, when you could first record onto DVDs, and it wasn't like a video anymore. Yeah. So my auntie recorded, I was a massive Harry Potter fan, and she recorded a J.K. Rowling documentary, even though we're not allowed to like her anymore. And um, she said to me, that's the first thing on the DVD. You watch that, but you cannot watch the second thing that's on it. And what does a kid do when you say oh, that? Obviously, I mean, even, even when you said that, I was like, well, obviously you're going to watch it. <laughs> I was like, I want to hazard a guess. I was 10 year old. Jesus. And that was my first exposure to shameless it's one of the reasons why i'm an actor and so thank you like genuinely just you're welcome do you know that's mad i i didn't think there's anything worse than me watching a nightmare on elm street when i was nine but i oh. think shameless at 10 is probably probably pips that and it was because... all i it was de- you were in it so we're talking series four which was when yeah. it was starting to get proper filthy yeah i uh i've got to admit i although i knew of Shameless, my brother was a big fan. I hadn't seen it when I got the audition for it. I was working, like, you know yourself, I was, I graduated from drama school and I was living in London and I was getting no work at all. So I was working in bars. Mm. So I think Shameless was like, what, Tuesday night at 10 o'clock? So I was always working. So mm. I'd heard about it. And I'm one of these people that the more someone tries to tell me to watch something, the, the more chance of me not watching it. I'm like, yeah, Do you know I'm the same? Yeah, I did that. And then I got, and then I remember, I, I remember I got the audition for it, and I phoned my brother. I said, oh, "I've got an audition for this thing that you keep going on about." And he said, "What?" He went, he went shameless, and like he, he, he like he, he nearly dropped the phone. He was like, "What are you serious, mate?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I ended up watching. I only watched a couple of episodes of it before I went for the audition because I'd like a, a day to prepare, um, and that's when I realized, oh, so this is what everyone's talking about. Mm. And it was, it was brilliant. Although it's funny you say I came in at series four. I have to say I thought series four was probably the worst series, but it's only because the I listened to a, a podcast that you were on last night. I was like, I'm going to listen to the, the Celtic. The Celtic oh, yes, with, with, with Andrew. <laughs> and I heard you say that, and it was quite funny because before this, I don't know why, and the guy, I can't remember his name, God forgive me, um, he said the exact same thing. When I started doing my research for this, I don't know why I thought you had an English accent. Really? 
and it made so much sense. It, the first thing that I watched, I was like, "Fuck me, he's Irish." And then I was doing my research again. I was like, "Yeah, he's from Ireland." Do you know that's another funny story? Actually, because when I went for the audition, um, I, I went and did my Irish accent because I'd, I'd, I knew that Paddy was Irish, and I, I didn't know when I think about it now, it was a stupid decision. Obviously, it was going to be man, but I went in did an Irish accent, and they went, "Yeah, that's very good," but he's, he's. He's not Irish, he's he's Mank. And I said, What? And they went, Yeah, he's Mank. He said, yeah, Can you do a Manchester accent? And I said, Oh. So they actually sent me away for a couple of hours and I was walking up and down Ardwick. Is, that, is it Ardwick? Is Kieran Kieran Griffiths Ardwick in Manchester? <laughs> like, like literally talking to myself, going through this in my head, people looking at me, going, What's this guy doing? Went back, came out with this, what I thought was this horrific sort of northern Manchester accent. Came out of the audition, was in a foul mood with my with my wife, going, "It's fucking, you know, I was the worst audition ever. It was pointless and shouldn't have done it." And then they phoned me the next day and offered me the part. And people still, it, it's one of those things because my accent slips between Irish, Scouse, and Mank all the way through the series. But you've got an Irish dad, a Scouse mum, and you live in Manchester, so it sort of it sort of worked. Yeah. Because I, I was listening to that podcast as well, and another story that I've told, because obviously I've had half the cast on the podcast, mm-hmm. we were just talking about it there. My best mate had never watched Shameless all the way through, right. and we live right across the road from each other, and during lockdown we bubbled up, because like, what the fuck else was this yeah, doing that? That magic moment happened of waking up that morning and seeing that Shameless UK was on Netflix. I was like, right, we're going to watch Shameless. Like, we've done two pints. We've done all the Star Wars. I'm not doing the Marvels. We'll do Shameless. Right. And we watched, and I sort of reintroduced it, and he loves it now. He's like, watches it on repeat. And I don't know. I'm from Glasgow. I live right across the road from Celtic Park. Yeah. My mate's a massive Celtic fan. And I texted him last night while I was listening to that podcast. And I said, you know how the Maguires are your favourite family and Shameless? Said you'll love Jamie even more now because he's a massive Fenian. <laughs> Do you know what? I lived on the 16th floor of the Sight Hill Flats when I, oh, was, when I was living. Around the corner from me. Yeah, and I could see, I could, like, I I, I couldn't see it as, as, I think you can see, like, proper like proper see the stadium i can see just the corner of it or i could see just the corner of it so i'd be like um i'd be in the kitchen like making a dinner and on a dark on, on a on an evening when it was dark and if there was a game on and i didn't have a ticket i could see it lit up and it's one of the greatest views ever people always used to say to me mate how did you how did you survive living in sight hill and do you know what man i never ever had an ounce of trouble in sight hill it was actually probably one of the best places i ever lived in glasgow and i lived in great western road and i lived in bars road and i lived in cathcart but Side Hill Flats was, yeah. was my favorite place to live. I can't see it because the forge blocks my view. Right, but I can fucking hear it. Oh, but you can't, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, if if I leave my window open on a game day, I can hear it. Like, it's like I'm there. Yeah, I've not been in a while. My brother took my brother took his um his son. He's his son. Like they live in London. They live right next door to Crystal Palace. Like next door to Selhurst Park, my brother has drummed Celtic into his son, and he's got a name <laughs> who who when he's who could who could be supporting Tottenham or Chelsea or Arsenal or Crystal Palace, which is next door to him. But no, he's a mad mm. little Celtic fan, and they go a lot more than I do. I used to go all the time when I lived because I lived there during the Martin O'Neill era, man. It was amazing to be 
a Celtic fan. And I do it. have to preface this conversation with I don't follow football. I'm not a ah. football fan. I'm ah. just like all my mates are, and I'm yeah. like surrounded by it. Like because everybody always says Living Park and Celtic fan, and I go, well, I don't really care, but I do like winding my mates up that are Rangers <laughs> fans. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm not sectarian in any way, couldn't give a fuck, but will call my Rangers fan mates dirty huns at every opportunity that I get. Brilliant. Like, we're going to get on just fine. Oh, it, it got to the point where I had to remind, I had, I don't know if you'll know him, an actor called Cameron Fulton on the podcast, and it was this, this year, and he logged on, and right behind him, like here, was a, a Rangers strip in a frame with 55, and I just went, oh, it's another Hun. <laughs> and I was like, I had to catch myself because I went, he's not your mate. Like, <laughs> you've never met this man before. Oh, my God, and you just said it to a complete stranger? And I was like, I don't even follow. I'm really sorry. Don't follow football. Uh, it's just what happens with my mates. And I was like, yeah, I'm so those, sorry. I know people don't follow football, but you just, just you know, if you, you, you've always got mates who follow it, don't you? No. But yeah, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Celtic. We're no, about- the conversation won't last very long if you chat to me about <laughs> Celtic. Um, but what I do like to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, yeah. how did you get into acting? And what was your first ever role? And we don't need to have a professional one. We love a good nativity story. Oh, well, actually, well, I'm glad you do, because, uh, yeah, when I was seven years old, my mum dragged me kicking and screaming to the the local Amdram Society back in Portadown, where I'm from, called the Junior Phoenix Players. And I mean, dragged me kicking and screaming. I was just, I was like, I couldn't think of anything worse, but she wanted me, she needed me out of the house. She had four kids, <laughs> four kids during the summer holidays. You go from, like, having all the kids at school to having everyone at home. And I was, I was a tough nut, like, and she dragged me kicking and screaming, and we auditioned for... I auditioned for Bugsy Malone. I did, and I actually my audition piece was a poem. I actually remember I did a poem called "The Lonely Scarecrow" by by James Kirkup, and it's just it was horrific. Like I don't know what I was thinking doing a poem, but at seven years old, you sort of do what you're told. And um, <laughs> and, and 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 they, they they accepted me, but I think the thing I think they accepted everyone. That was the thing. It wasn't as if they were going to say no. Mm. And um, and it changed my life, man. I just I just it was just one of the most brilliant experiences ever even at that I remember it like it was yesterday and that was it was like Jesus 35 years ago and then I um I continued w- uh, with the Phoenix players up until I was 18 worked my way up until I was playing all the leads and stuff like that but I've got to say my 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 favorite the part so that's what made me want to act like doing the junior Phoenix players but my school show when I was 16 at Drumcree High School when I played God in Godspell <laughs> was probably for me to this day my favorite ever thing because I was at a mixed school boys and girls I was 15 16 and I was playing the lead in the school show and all of a sudden a lot of the girls were interested in me <laughs> and it was just great you know girls who would never have looked at you before you know were like coming up and going hiya Oh, I really liked you in the show and all that. There, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! But it actually was a really good show because we had other schools from 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 the north of Ireland that would come to watch it. You know, so every day you were performing to like not just your own school, but other schools and pretty girls in school uniforms, and it was just um yeah, it was amazing, and it was a really good show. Yeah, and I got and it's a cracking part. I don't know if you know Godspell. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a cracking musical. I sort of I wanted to do musicals up until I was about 17, 18, and then I sort of got over it. But that was yeah, yeah, I got over it. I was like, yeah, uh, that was that for me. That was um, that was that. That's uh, always a really special, 
special memory for me. And then the very first time, I suppose later on in life, the very first time I ever got to work in America, because I was born in New Jersey, I was born in America, and I've got an American passport. Oh, you jammy yeah. fucker. <laughs> yeah, you say that, mate, but you know what? You see, when you have to do your tax return every year for the UK and the IRS, even if you've not worked in America, I mean, I've not worked in America in seven or eight years, but I still have to have to declare everything to the IRS. But do you, st- do you still pay that? No, I, no, well, I pay an accountant who, who who does it for me, and I always end up getting, because I still get loads of little, I still get little repeat fees during the year for, uh, yeah. I, did, I did Dexter and I did um, the Astronaut Wives Club and I did an episode of Castle. So there's a few things, and yeah, so I always end up with maybe a few hundred dollars uh, uh, like a rebate but but the ball egg of having to having to do it every year mate is just yeah. I would I would turn I would give up the the three four hundred dollars a year like royalties if I didn't have to do that every year but now I've sort of I've reached the point of no return I, the only way I could I, I would I would be able to get out of it is if I give up my my American citizenship. and you don't want to do that well do you know what I don't but the thing is mate I'm 42 now and I've got a wife and three kids and I'm happy in the job I mean, I'm doing a job at the minute for the BBC which is like a daytime soap thing which is like it's on it's on like at uh, 2 o'clock in the UK and 7 o'clock 7pm in Ireland and do you know what mate it's it's the it's the lovely little job it's well paid the the, the, the target audience are like mums and dads like like my like my my mum and dad you know that age and they're absolutely loving it and it's doing really well we're about to do the third series we've just finished the second series it's been recommissioned for another series and it's just even though it's the sort of job i might have turned down 10 15 years ago and went you know no i'm not doing that oh i don't want to do this don't want to do a daytime so but i want to do doctors i'm quite happy doing it now because I, I can I pay the pays the bills pays my mortgage i was able to go on a holiday with the wife and children this year we're just back from spain it's a lot to be said for just having steady work. And I'm working with mm. people that I know really well, like my best mate, an actor called Kieran McMenamin, who also went to the RSMB. He he's playing my best mate in it. You know. I still get I, um I still get a little bit PTSD when I when I hear that school's name. Oh do you? Oh. <laughs> Royal Conservatives Bar. Yeah. Reject <laughs> rejected me on my twenty first birthday. Did they? Yeah, so I got the rejection email. I've oh, told the story man. a million times. I'd got through quite a few rounds, and obviously, you um, you get like the UCAS email and the conservatoire email when you get through to the next round. Yeah. And then when they reject you, you only get the one email from UCAS. Oh, right, okay. And I opened my emails and saw it, and I went, "I'm not even going to open it." And my mom, why? And I was like, "Cause I've not got in." She's like, "You don't know." And I was like, "I do." Oh, heartbreaking. But do you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And apparently yeah. it's really shit now. Apparently it is really shit now. And you know what? I The only reason I, I, I got accepted to RSMD and Lambda, and I wanted to go to Lambda. And the only reason I didn't go to Lambda was because I couldn't afford it. Mm. I looked at, at, at living in London and stuff, and I was just like, nah, this is just... So I just went, oh, I'll go to RSMD. And like you say, everything happens for a reason. I'm so glad I couldn't afford London because I had, I had a great time there. But I didn't really learn much. You I, know, I... I heard you say this on the podcast last night and i was gonna say sorry am i just repeating everything i did no, on the podcast <laughs> no because you didn't talk about it in much detail but i do it's I, I want to i have never heard anyone talk about drama school the way that you spoke about it because i completely and 100 percent relate yeah half of the classes it was like how the fuck can i get out of this why yeah. the fuck are they making me read poems? Why are they making me read oh, children's yeah. books? Poetry, uh, uh, history of 
theater, dance, yeah. and not just one dance, two dance classes, a dance class, and then a movement class. And I'm like, what the fuck's the difference? Well, you we know? had we had a movement class this year when I went back, and I, I said this in my end of year evaluations, so I'll say it online as well. It wasn't a movement <laughs> class; it was a dance class. And they just masqueraded it as a movement class. And I was like, why the fuck are we not in this time? Why are we not doing like frantic assembly stuff? Why are we not doing X, Y, Z? No, you've got us running around, jumping across the route, looking like a oh. bunch of fannies. Oh, mate, that, that thing. I think, And I think drama schools all still do it now. That, that, that day where they send you off to the zoo for the day to, to, to study an animal. And then you've got to come back and you've got to be that animal. And it's like, what? What is the point of this? I think if people thought like I got a BA honors in acting, I got a BA, I got like I've got a certificate somewhere in my in my mom and dad's house in Ireland, and I look at it and go, oh my god, if only people knew, <clears throat> excuse me, what the fuck I did to get that. Like I literally swung off rafters and shit, you know. I can't believe you just brought the zoo thing up. Um <laughs> that was what pushed me over the edge to drop out of drama school the first oh, really? time. Like yeah. we literally 13th of January 2020 went to Edinburgh Zoo. So did we. We went where we, we went. Yeah. And they told us that the following week they were gonna put on an interactive zoo. Oh so basically God. we would be the animals and we'd put on this exhibit and people would walk through and like see us be the and I just went, no. Oh, I was already having a shit time and I was well, already we only had to do it in front of our our, our own class, but there was none. There was none of that. I mean, if fucking hell, I probably would have done the same. I mean, I I just I just thought, right, I'll, I'll grin and bear this because it's just my acting class, and we're all we all know it's a piss take. But if they had said to me, "You're going to do it," and and the rest of the drama school can walk through and, and oh, watch this was it. just a normal uni, so it oh, wasn't just a drama man. school. Christ of all, man. and I was already having a shit time. I was already on the verge. Yeah, and then they were like, and I was like, nah. That pushed you over the edge. And it was the same, this lecturer, I found a notebook not long ago and I'd wrote in one of my notebooks, if this man wasn't a drama lecturer, he would have been sectioned by now. <laughs> he used to say things like, just let the floor swallow your spine, but only your spine. <laughs> we and had I'm a, like... We had, a, we had a voice tutor, um, Jean, no, was, I can't remember her name, but she always used to put her foot go, the magic thumb. It works, it really does. She used to make you like talk but put your thumb up towards your mouth. I'm just like, you've been sitting, you've been literally saying poems and, and reading Shakespeare and shit, right, with your, the script here, and your thumb up to your And she said, unless you can feel the breath, you know, feel the breath on your thumb. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there going, oh my, if my parents could see oh. what they're paying for, like, you know. But the acting classes were great. I did, we, yes. didn't, we did the acting classes. I tried to sky poetry. I didn't mind the singing because I always like to go in and just hear people sing because a lot of the, the 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 sort of thing that got me through it was like there was you know I I get on with most people in my class I only actually I've only kept in touch with a few of them but I remember like some things like singing some people always thought they were better than they were so they would be getting excited about oh, I'm, I'm going to sing this I'm going to sing this on Friday and you'd be sitting all week going I cannot wait for singing classes to hear them to hear them all this song like you know and it, so so shit like that got me through it. Um, but yeah, uh, and actually, do you know what? I, I wish now in hindsight that I, I maybe had to pay attention in something like, you know, history of theatre and things like that. But at the time, it was just, I just want to act. 
I want to go mm. in, I want to act, and then I want to go out in Glasgow and drink. Yeah, and, um, I always say to everyone because people because I fucked it up the first time and left, and people don't want to do that because I lost a year of my sass. Um, I always just say to people, take what you want from it. Yeah, like there's going to be so much bullshit that you just never use. Absolutely. And there'll be some, there'll be like a couple of nuggets of wisdom sprinkled across the five yeah. years. A hundred percent. And do you know what the thing, and, and it's funny you say that because when I, <clears throat> like I said, I graduated in 2001. I did a couple of little things. I, I, I my very, my, <clears throat> excuse me, my very first job, I got to drama school, was straight out of drama school. I'd been taken on by, I'd, I'd got a really good agent and I'd, I got a part in a thing called Murder for the BBC Two, playing a detective sergeant. I now know that I was far too young to play a detective sergeant. I was 21. <laughs> but I was like, my, it was my first job, mate, and I was working with Imelda Staunton, David Morrissey, Om Perry, um, bloody, uh, what do you call her? Uh, from Harry Potter, who plays... Oh, God, she's really well known. I really Maggie know. Smith? No, it's... A, I don't know. I can't even... It's, it's... What do you call it? She plays the... Um, she plays the... Uh, the, 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 the freaking... The... Weasley's mum. Oh, Julie Walters. Julie Walters. Like, that was my first job, mate. I mean, imagine... Not a bad job, is it? And I had to do a sex scene, a sex scene with Imelda Staunton. And Imelda Staunton, like, she's still a pretty, like, a pretty hot woman at her, for her age. Yeah. Um, But I just remember, like, the script, like, looking at the script and it's saying that it was, it was, it was described as, as an habitual fun fuck. And I remember going into... There's the episode day. title. You are, I know. <laughs> and I remember going in and thinking to myself, oh my God, I am about to do a sex scene with this royalty of an actress. And do you know what, mate? She was absolutely brilliant with me. She was so fucking amazing. She's she's one of the nicest people I've ever, ever met and ever worked with. But I never worked then after that for like five years. So it's like, it, was, it wasn't until I got, because you were talking about, you know, you, you don't really learn, you take what you do, what you can from drama school. Mm. When I went to Shameless, mate, that's where I learned about the business. Everybody so, says that. Everybody no, says, we, like... We didn't do any film and TV classes, you know. I learned everything about the business from 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 my six, seven years on Shameless. It, it's <laughs> madness. And I, I, I feel so massively unprepared. Like, I remember going in, because my uni, we had this massive audition and rep module where basically they just got loads of people to come in and like do mock auditions and stuff. And I went into one and I'd done this monologue from an Anna Jordan play. I can't remember what it's called. And they said, it's really good for stage, but can you bring it down to a televisual level? And I, I've always just had it drummed into me that you just say yes and yeah. just, <laughs> just try it. Like, yeah. even if you've no clue. And I did it again and they went, you changed nothing. Oh, really? And I just went, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've had three film classes in five years. Yeah. Like, and two of those were on hitting my mark. <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And they were like, you need, you need to get yourself some film classes. And I was like, agreed. Do you want to pay for them? Oh mate, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? But um, but it's, that's the thing, mate. You just you know you you learn as you go as you as you go along. Mm. I'd say, like, just little just little simple things, you know, like <clears throat> like you know when I remember doing a scene in Shameless, like my very first week there, like and with David Thralfall, and and during the scene, me forgetting the line and then getting all panicky and stopping, and David coming over to me and saying, "Mate, you didn't need to stop there because the camera wasn't on you." 
And I was like, oh, okay. I said, so if you mess up a line with the camera's over your shoulder and it's on me, don't worry, just just say nothing. And I can, you know, like it just, so something so simple, you know, like mm. I was not filming because I didn't realize that the camera's not on me. It doesn't matter if you fuck mm. up a line, you know. It's, you, Isn't it's only, it? You know, it's things like that. And it, yeah, just, just, just weird. Well- while we're talking about David Throwthought, I don't want to go right into Shameless right now. Isn't it mad that he wasn't the first choice? Yes. Isn't it mad that there's four episodes in the archive Channel 4 somewhere with someone else playing Frank? I would pay good money to see And them. the other thing that's in those four episodes, wow. the two brothers are switched. So Jodie was that's playing Ian right. and Jared was playing Lip, which I, yeah. I want to see that more than the Frank. I just, I, I, I remember the first time I heard that and I just thought to myself, could you imagine being, I think it was, I think it was an actor called Paul Gallagher, I think was his name, who got the part, um, playing Frank on it. Could you just, I just. That you can't, can you? Phone call, mate, you know, when you're told that. Listen, you've been dropped. You've been dropped. And then to then watch how. Successful. How amazing and successful it was. And also how different would Shameless have been because David Threlfall became such an integral cog to that whole process. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you couldn't imagine it without him. Like, like so... Touch with David. I was talking to David yesterday. Me and David, again, you know, it's better to write. he's a massive football fan, so me and him, mm. uh, you know, we would keep in touch with the football. And, I um, did. I was... I can't remember when it was. You'll probably know this more than me. I was sat with my mate one night and he was watching the football and I was doing something on my computer and he went, look, there's Frank. And it was David Threlfall in a Man City strip. Yeah. <laughs> on the telly. Yeah. And I was like... yeah. Right. He, yeah, he, 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 he doesn't have to pay for tickets anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's over at the, um, he's over in the, the, the he's directing um, a, a group of young kids in, um, in a, at a play in the Fringe at the minute, and he's just come back from Broadway. He was nominated for a Tony. Is David so Threlfall in the Fringe right now? Yeah, but he's not. He's not. He's only directing. So uh, still, I can go yeah. talk to him. Uh, thank yeah. you very much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, if you're listening, David, please come on the podcast. It would be an absolute <laughs> honor. Um, but I want to rewind back to drama school a minute because one yeah. of my one of my favorite things in in the world, and we're going to play a whole game based on them in a minute, okay. are funny or crazy drama school stories. Okay, the shit goes down behind those doors. Do you have other than the zoo or the magic thumb? Do you have a, a favorite story? Oh my god. Um... Do I have a favorite story? Yeah, I you know, actually I did, well, it may, it may not it might not be that funny to use, but um, one of my very one of my very good friends, uh, an actor called Alexander Mikic from Bosnia, we were um, we were doing uh, in third year you would do you do a panto, and we did um, we did Aladdin, <clears throat> where he played Abenazer. Um, which is like the you know the, obviously the bad the bad character, and um, the kids were getting the, the kid kids watching it one afternoon were getting a bit like rowdy and uh, and Alex for the first time ever started to shout at them in Bosnian, <laughs> and at the end of it I said, "Me, what were you saying to them?" And he was, he was basically telling them all to go fuck their mothers and you know wow. Fuck you! And he was like, he was coming out with just vitriol filth to them, but because he was, because he was speaking in his own language, they were so they were all. Oh, Alex was coming out with fuck your mother, yeah. fuck you, you know. So that was quite. That was that wow. was quite funny. I do. I, I know another an actor who I'm not named who got got very very drunk one day and was supposed to be 
on uh, we had our half hour call for our first year show we where we did where we did Brecht and he was nowhere to be found and it turned out that he had got pissed and had jumped on a train and ended up in Edinburgh and he was in Edinburgh while when we were supposed to we were just about to go on and it was our first it was our first year show. It was the first time we ever got to perform in front of. It was the first play we did. You mm. did it at the end of your first year, and he was um he was pissed on on a train in Edinburgh somewhere. Which was and what happened? That show had to come, we had to call it off, and he had to come back. And he was I think he got away with it because it was first year, and I'm sure it's not the worst thing that's ever happened. You know, I'm sure he was public enemy number one though, was he? He was, but do you know what? When I say about people who I've kept in touch with, he's one of them. He's one of my best mates. He's one of my very very good mates, and um, me and him, you know, he's I've stayed in touch with him more than more than anyone. Um, but yeah, it was um, yeah, so I mean, not not great story. Sort of sort of you had. You had to, you had to be there, really, you know. Yeah, I'm no. sure once this podcast's over, I'll email you and go, shit, shit, shit. I meant to tell you this. <laughs> oh um, no, yeah. I still maintain, and I'm waiting for somebody to do it because I'm too lazy. Somebody's going to be able to write the best sitcom ever based on drama school. I can't believe that it hasn't been done already. Me so, neither. You know, it's um, it, yeah, because it is. It was like, uh, yeah, and again, you know, I. I went over, you know, from what to, you know, eight, I was the youngest, I was very young, I was the youngest in my class, and I, like I was 18, and you know, I w- went from, from, from the north of Ireland to Glasgow, and just, you know, my eyes were open, like, I was just like, you know, it was just like, you know, the, just the parties, the drinking, the, it just, yeah, there, there, there definitely is a, a sitcom mm. there. 100%. Sticking along that same vein, we're going to play the game now and it's called stage right or stage shite and it's three stories two of them are the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and have been submitted by the listener one of them has been made up by our producer hev and because it's the hundredth episode i said to her listen there's however many emails there are and it takes us forever to go through them please find the best ones okay like make them good and i was reading them this morning pretty fucking great okay so it's our job to find out which one is the lie. I've got the answer in a sealed envelope with your name on it, so I can play along too. And okay. just if anybody else wants to submit a story, email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And who knows, your story might get featured on the show. Number one, a show I was in was once evacuated because an unknown alarm kept going off. The audience were ushered out of the theatre and the cast went out stage door while staff searched for the alarm. Turns out, My rape alarm had gone off in my handbag backstage. It was that loud. Number two, I was very new to drama school and the whole self-tape audition rigmarole, and I didn't know how to do it professionally after coming right out of secondary school. So I performed my monologue to a life-size cardboard cutout of Pat Butcher, who was very visible on screen. I didn't get in. I had to get undressed, number three, sorry. I had to get undressed on stage and my male co-star had to help me. I was doing it all while I was still delivering dialogue. I don't know why, though. He also unfastened my bra. So when I pulled my top off, my bra came with it and all the audience saw my tits. Okay. Number two. You think number two's shite? Why are they doing it with a Pat Butcher cutout? You know what? I just, because... I actually think that uh, you, you're probably going to, but I just get the feeling that someone would do that. And, and, and maybe, and maybe the, maybe it's like, maybe it was, there was a flatmate had a life size cut out of pot butcher, you know, it's like, I know, you, but you, like, 
but costs money to apply to these drama schools. I know, I know, but like my my friend who's a casting director used to show me like like she used to get like um you know where you get your your, your yeah. headshot. Like she had a guy and I know her that she had a, she had an actor send her a a, a full full length picture of him in a thong with a little with like little devil horns and a devil tail. And this guy was, this was, he was being serious. It wasn't a joke. And I was like, I was like, tell me, seriously, that's, that's a joke. She went, no, this guy, this is what he sent me. He wants me to see him for stuff. And this is one of the pictures he sent me. Now, if I told, like, if people, you tell people that, and they were like, that's bullshit. Oh, it's fine. You can say that it was you. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't <laughs> me. Um, no, I the, don't. The, the rape alarm one sounds pretty, pretty believable, to be honest. Yeah. Like, um, Somebody's nudged a handbag, and also, see, they all sound pretty believable. But I do think the so me and you don't have to come up with the same answer. No, here, no. Right? Okay, so you're are you going to go with the Pat Butcher one? I don't know, but there's something that's just tickling me of the thought of like these this panel, yeah, of like industry professionals who are, I'm I'm imagining like the lambdas and the conservatoires yeah. where it's these proper academics and they, they yeah. come from like a really serious oh, but i'm gonna go with you then oh, yeah let's yeah let's go pot butcher then and i'm just it, it's tickling me because i don't know yeah. right so we're going for number two um winner winner it was a fucking hell okay Do you know there was just a, there was just something that like i've done some stupid shit in auditions yeah that, but i feel like i would look back and go maybe not i just i kind of i just i kind of wanted wanted to want it to be true that's all I want to ask you a fun question now that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. If you were doing a two-person show in the West End and the casting director came and said to you, listen, we've got as much money as we need. We haven't got you a co-star yet. Who do you want? Who are you picking? They have to be alive. Who am I picking? Um, who am I picking? <sighs> and obviously it's one of their magic shows that whoever you pick, is it, the show's going to fit them. Scott Bakula. Good answer. Because Quantum Leap's my favorite show ever, mm. and um, I would love to work with. I would just, I think it'd be brilliant. Me and Scott Bakula on stage. Well, I, I've got to carry on my campaign. It's been going for nearly a hundred episodes now, and she's still not answered my email. Catherine Tate, please come on the podcast or oh, you or want do Catherine, a two-person show. Sorry, I said you want Catherine. Like I know her. Oh, you want Catherine? Do you? Oh, do you Catherine. Know, <laughs> I'm fully aware she would make me look like a piece of shit. Yeah, and I'm fully at peace with that mate she's supposed to be a friend of mine worked with her and she's supposed to be an absolute like an absolute gem i thought you were going to say an absolute cunt there oh, and i was going to no, be like no no i wouldn't do that on you mate no she's supposed to be lovely i mean wasn't she wasn't she um she was dating like want to take that for a while wasn't she oh i don't i just think i think it's because because everybody some sometimes i get a funny look when i say that and i think it's because in all honesty my answer maybe would be matt lucas or david walliams I don't care. But you can't do what they're iconic for with them anymore. Yeah. So you can't do Little Britain with them because it's been cancelled. Do you know, know what I mean? But I feel like you could still do Catherine Tate with her. Like, I could be Nan's new grandson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it hasn't been cancelled, has it? Not no, she's watch. just done a movie. Has she? Yeah, so I feel like that's why she's... My... Don't get me wrong. I love her. She's an icon. I grew yeah. up watching her. But... Yeah, that's why that's why she's my answer. It was Whoopi Goldberg for a while. Cool. Oh, mate, Whoopi Goldberg and them. Um, I still in Ghost, man. 
I still quote lines. I've never seen it. You've never seen Ghost, dude. You, mate, do you, do you want me to make you feel old? Yeah. See, when you graduated in 2001, Fuck what? I was three. <laughs> Any wonder I didn't know that American woman you're talking about. Oh, she's, she's fucking, she's <sighs> very old. Yeah. Oh, and also, I was that was off the record. Now everybody knows I've been bitching about my old lecturers. I oh, know, mate. I was just thinking about, should I really have told you that? story <laughs> you, want, you want me to I, I can edit it out if you want oh, i don't know i don't know i don't know fucking um i maybe do i know no i'll get back you know what you've got a couple of weeks if you wake up in sweats in the middle of the night yeah, just email me i'll take <laughs> we'll put that behind a paywall because i was listening to kieran's the other day and i didn't finish it because my three-year-old daughter was kicking me and i was just wondering i'm just i'm just thinking to myself i wonder how many did kieran tell any any of his like mental mad stories you know that that because I, I think he was pretty tame actually was he yeah maybe, maybe becoming a dad has calmed him down you know <laughs> yeah i think he was pretty tame i don't care i think he he did allude to a lot of i did this but can't tell you about it Right, okay. Um, <laughs> but know. talking about Shameless a little bit more, do you have a favorite behind the scenes moment that nobody would know about? Because I know one of you farted in the in the fridge. Kieran told us that. Um, uh, no, uh, no. Do you know what? There was, a, but again, it's like it's funny for us. But I mean, people listen to me go oh, whatever. But me and Kieran and Nikki used to. Um, and it's funny if you. It's funny if you if you ever rewatch it again. Now that I've told you this. Me and Kieran and Nikki. Just to keep ourselves, keep ourselves on our toes, used to try and get the word weasel into every scene that we did. No matter where it was or what we were doing or what we did, we would, it, it was, it was, we had to get the word weasel into the scene. And we always managed to do it. There was a few times when, you know, there might have been like a joint at lunchtime and you thought, you know, it would have worn off. And then you let the next minute you're in the, you're in the jockey and <laughs> the camera's on you and you get a fit of the, I remember one time Kieran getting a fit of the giggles and like, you know, you, you, your corpse and you, you, you laugh and it's sort of, then it's sort of two or three minutes, everything's calmed down. But I think I remember, I remember the first coming on and going, right, right, right. We need to take a break here. It was like, it just <laughs> were, it was belly laughing and, and, it wasn't because anyone had done anything funny. It's just because mm. we were we were stoned. <laughs> you know, is the um is the Maguire boys WhatsApp chat still going? Yes, it is. It is. Yes, I was. Yeah, that's how I keep in touch with them. That um, makes me happy because me and my mate both say that Shameless went downhill when Sean left. Yeah. Well, I mean that. I mean that. Unfortunately, that's something that I can't talk about. I, it did go downhill, and he shouldn't have left. But, oh, um, listen, it's... Shit went it's, on there. Shit went on there that damn... Yeah, and... Uh, Sean, come on and talk about it. Um, no, I think, personally, I love Shameless, and it can't do much wrong in my own eyes. I think they fucked his character right up. Yeah? He went from being, like, the hard man that everybody feared... Yeah. And then his missus ended up shagging a sixteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old. Yeah, I know, but th- but then but didn't that happen when he had left? Yeah, but like it, it just sort of like it's Paddy Maguire's wife. I know, but the thing is, man, it was sort of um. I think, you know, I think personally, they should have stopped Shameless at at round round episode, round series nine. I think it went on too too long. I think by series eleven, it was just. I mean, the rate there was nobody left. 
Yeah, but the, 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 the ratings dropped drastically, mm. like, you know, for money in the end. I mean, it was like, it was pending. It, you know, I live in Manchester. Yeah. It enabled me to move here and, and, you know, get married and things like that. But it just got to the point where it was just like you were reading it and you were reading, you were in a read through and you were just going, really? I mean, seriously, you're mm. this this is just so bad. Yeah, by the end, there was like three Gallagher's, two Maguire's, Chesney. Because yeah. I always say oh, the God. biggest disappointment for me about Shameless was the last episode doesn't feel like a last episode. I can't even remember the last episode now. I, mean, I remember the 100th episode when they brought Dean Lennox-Kelly back, because I'd never worked with Dean, and I had a really good time working with Dean on that. And they brought, um, uh, what do you call her back? The, 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 the Gallagher sister who... Fiona. Fiona. They brought Fiona back. Um which was which was nice. I always have fond memories of that because they had come. They, I remember shitting myself going like, even though I'd been in it. By the time they came back to the hundredth episode, I'd done more episodes than them. But I was, was that the hundredth. That was the hundredth episode. They came back. Yeah, was the last. I think that's the last one. Well, well they maybe came back to the last one as well then. But in the hundred, or maybe, or maybe, maybe just Dean. Maybe it was just Dean came back to the hundredth. But Dean I don't definitely know. came back. No, Dean definitely came back. Um, Testing my shameless trip. I mean, I'm going to take your word for it. You were there. Yeah, but well, yeah, but no, but now that you've said to me that was that the last, no, but I know well maybe Fiona wasn't back to the hundredth, but Dean definitely was, because um yeah, yeah but I remember um yeah, I, yeah, it was just sort of it just sort of fizzled out. I think that's why I think it was ready to end, and it wasn't a big mm. huge. It wasn't as if they were sitting that said you know right this is going to be the last episode of Shameless, the last series of Shameless, and they planned for the last episode. I think it was just sort of halfway through the film and the series, we're like oh this is going to be the last one. Yeah, yeah, because it just felt like they got a couple of the Gallagher's back and was like, bye. Yeah. But I mean, what do you mean? Do you know, it's like, it's, uh, people still ask, is it, do you think it'll ever come back? And I'm like, nah, don't think so now. Because, because it sort of broke barriers and all that there. But the thing is, there's so much stuff that came after Shameless because of Shameless that it would actually, oh, make, Shameless like bit, it would actually make Shameless like a wee bit tame now. Although I still get, rac- I'm getting recognised loads again in Manchester since it's come on Netflix. Like I walked, I take my dog for a walk through the park, or I'm walking through with my kids when they're skateboarding and stuff. And um, I get loads of little teenagers coming up. My kids find it hilarious. Like, you know, my kids now go, "Do you want me to take the photo for you?" <laughs> but, but it's like people, it's like teenagers who who wouldn't yeah. have been born when Shameless came out, who are now fighting it on. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe actually, she maybe it, it does stand the test of time. Like, I think it does, and. The one thing is, obviously, I want you all to get regular paying jobs back again, but I don't want it to come back. No, I do. I wouldn't want it to come back. And if they did one of those things, my wife always says to me, if they, you know, if they got got in touch and went, oh, I'm going to bring Shameless back for even like a Christmas special or something like that, would you do it? I say, I said to her, I would say no. But then the thing is, money talks, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the only reason I don't want them to bring it back is because they can't do it. They can't do Shameless, Shameless. Could you imagine? Like you just wouldn't be, you wouldn't get away with it, and I don't want them to do a watered down version. No, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. When you put it like that, yeah, you'd be, yeah, it would be a big disappointment, wouldn't it? Like, so, could you imagine like the excitement that the whole country would feel, like seeing the Maguires and Frank come back on the screen for it then to be like this politically? And don't get me wrong, I don't actively want to go out of my way to offend people and things, and yeah, I, but I just don't want to see a politically correct walk Frank Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I never even. That's funny. You said, I've never even thought of that. I, yeah, the, that you just, this just you couldn't. God, you couldn't. You just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, because there's even lines about yeah, like you say that, and you go, well, but you know, you've got like faulty tars and and bloody this is England and things like that being cancelled. But yet, shameless is still on 
But Shameless hasn't been cancelled, hasn't been. Like Netflix, why are Netflix not pulling Shameless? Like the language and the and the, the filth that comes out of people's mouths about yeah, but it's just filth. Sex and, and uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You're not. There's nobody on there that does blackface, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no, there's not. There's not a lot <laughs> of there's not a lot of racist shit, unless there's some racist stuff, but it's to show what those ethnic groups are going. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology. Please do not cancel me. But the racism <laughs> that is shown in Shameless, like I'm gonna just name the characters by name now, just to be careful. So when you see like um, Kasim Akhtar or Chris Bisson, can't remember their characters' names now, yeah. Chesney and whatever, when they're being like insulted racially, it's not to be like, yeah, this is, we agree. Yeah. It's like, look at what the fuck people go through on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah I think they did that really well, actually, because because there is, you've got to tread a fine line. So and I think when the writers are writing stuff like that, they've got to make sure that that it is exactly the, the way you're saying it is. And I think that's what Seamless did. If you can say they did it well, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, maybe that is why it's not been. Yeah, so yeah, then it's it's not been cancelled. So yeah. I did love. Um... Maybe if they brought it back, they wouldn't have to, you know, tone it down. You never know. Maybe. But I, but I agree with you. I don't think they ever will, and I and I wouldn't want them to. I think it's it's had its day and move on. I don't. I, I think this whole bringing stuff back and. You know, I can't remember anything that's been that's been rehashed. That's like, I mean, like I said earlier on about you know Scott Bakula and and Quantum Leap being my favorite series of all time. The amount of people that I know who are so excited about the reboot of Quantum Leap, I won't be watching it. Mm. I've, I've already seen who's cast. I've already seen what, and it's just like I've got no interest in watching this. Yeah, no. This twenty twenty two version of my favorite ninety show. I just don't. I don't see it working and I won't be watching yeah. it. And that's nothing against people that are in it or people that are doing it. But I just think sometimes things should just be, should be left, should mm. be left alone. I'm just imagining all of these random storylines of like Karen trying to get like an Instagram blogger in the jockey to make it busier yeah. or something. And I just, it wouldn't work. No, it wouldn't. So channel four, leave it alone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. just, I just randomly popped into my head when Tina Malone was like, you don't think I know what racism is when, and she's like, Paddy came over from Ireland and I'm Scouse. (laughs) (laughs) And it is just like, how did we get away with something? But it's just, it's comedy gold. You've had such a wide and varied career. And we're going to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody in a second. Um, But what has been your biggest, what the fuck is happening moment? Uh, Probably Bohemian Rhapsody actually. Um, but but not not for getting the job, but just sh- again, I can't go into it too much. But it was an absolute shit show um, <laughs> during filming. It was you know, you know, it's, you know yourself. It's it's not you know it's it's, it's common knowledge that you know the director was sacked and, and our director left, and then it was we had three Freddies. Yeah, we yeah, and um, so I remember yeah when I when I got that job, I was so excited because you know I knew it was going to be a freaking huge movie, and then. You know, I get into it, and it was just like, no, it wasn't that at all. It was, it was the first time I'd worked with a big, famous American director and a 20th century Fox and all that there, and it was just the the politics that that went with it was just ridiculous. You know, it was um, it was the the, the last three weeks of that job were great because Dexter Fletcher came and and finished it, and it, it, and he made the whole experience and the feeling on set was just the way it should have been from the start. But the the first five or six weeks of that shoot were just, ugh, I was like, what am I doing? I don't mm. I want to be in this. 
And in hindsight, I'm glad I am, glad it was because even though it was panned with the critics, it's fucking it made a billion dollars, you know. Yeah. And, and I thought Rami was amazing, but um, I would have loved to have seen Sasha Baron Cohen play him. Yeah. You know, I think you ben, know, I think Ben Wishaw was the other mm. the other one who was meant to to do it. Um, I, I've got to make the confession, and I don't even know if this will make the final edit because there's some there's some horrible people out there that won't agree. Can't stand Rami Malek. No. No, I. I I As an actor. Yeah, I don't know him personally. Don't yeah. get me wrong. You know what? Rami's all right. He's he's um. God, again, I've got to be careful what I say. I'm sure, well, maybe you never know. Maybe he's, maybe maybe he loves your podcast. He's, he's, oh yeah, he's the top. He's not the sort of guy you can. Like, you know, I, I worked with him, got on well with him, had to fucking snog him. Absolutely fine. It was there was there, 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 there was no no issues there. But it's just he's not. He was he was never the sort of guy that I would say you fancy a pint. You know, mm. he's sort of he's quite he's but he's socially awkward sort of you know um. But you know, each to their own. Uh, I've he, never been able to get on board with him. Right. Okay. Did like, you know what about? Did you see? I what I um, I like Mr. Robot, but even then, I never finished it. I sort of got bored of Mr. Robot. But at the start, the very first series, I thought was brilliant, and I thought he was brilliant. Um, I think it stems from Night at the Museum for me. I've never seen Night at the Museum. That's how he played the week was he or Tutankhamun or something. Yeah. I I just I'm not I can't get on board with him, but I'll try. Um. I. I do love to ask this question as well, just to anyone who's been like a long established actor. You ever nicked anything from set? Uh, no, but I wanted to nick the um, the 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 Celtic fucking statue that the Midgars had, and Tina Malone got it. Did you? right? Okay. Yeah, raging. I mean, I, I I do I I I nick costume. I if, if so, I I play a lot of characters now who like you know their costumes are quite good. You remember the last, I did a job a couple of years ago where. The the cast or the the costume mistress had a big budget and she got me that my character had diesel jeans and I was like I'm having them mm. and there's a really nice pair of Timberland boots that my character in Hope Street at the minute wears and I'll be taking them, um, but yeah. To get to not- wear your own clothes on some stuff. No, I get to wear my own wedding ring and I used to always wear my own chains. I don't have them now, but no, a lot of the times they'll. Uh, they they don't they they always got to be like even like yeah even, I even had to fight to get like because my character and and hopefully got married at the end of the last series so then we came on to this one she'd like she'd give me a load of wedding rings to try on and I've been, and I just I said listen I've got me a wedding ring can I just keep that on and there was a whole you know she, they had they had to go to production they had to get it clear and I was like Jesus Christ it's mm-hmm. a piece of silver and anyway they let me wear my own wedding ring but it's, it's, see the see all the, the rigmarole that these people have got to go mm-hmm. through man. it's I mean a yeah. lot of them, you know, it's just pure bollocks but i only ask not that i spend a lot of time staring at helen worth's ass gil platt wears armani jeans in coronation street that's shame that's why i asked because I, I i can't imagine that coronation street is springing the budget for armani jeans yeah you think they're they think they're hers oh well i'll that's... ask her the next time i see her her and sally with the one who plays sally live live like live around where i live they always see them like in the shops they must be quite good mates in real life. And why wouldn't they be? Because they've worked together so long. So the next time I see her at the, um, in Marks and Spencer's or in Sainsbury's or whatever I do, I'll just tap her on the shoulder and say, yes. Are they your jeans? He doesn't stare at your ass, but he's noticed you wear Armani jeans on corner. <laughs> Are they yours or is that? So, you know, I'll, find, I'll try and find that out. Yeah. Oh, I've, that's see something did good. Something good did come out of this podcast. We'll find yeah, no. out if Gail Platt wears her own jeans or not. Um, what's coming up next for you? I know you're in Hope Street and anything are you doing anything? No, that's it, me at Hope Street because it's as I say, it keeps coming. It's the, they keep um, telling us that they're going to do another series. They keep 
we we did we did the first series last year, and then we had to wait for a while to see if they were going to uh, recommission it, which they did. Uh, and now we finished that one. We finished it about four or five weeks ago, and now they're going to the recommission the third series, which will be fifteen episodes instead of ten. Um, it's always fun. So I'm sick of that. Do you know? I'm you know I'm. I'm I, I'm happy to go. I'm still going up for stuff and things like that, but it's one of these things. As I say, I'm 42 years old. When you when when I've got it, when I know I've got a job, not not that I would. You're saying that it. like it's the end of your life. No, but it's no, but it's, I know it's not that. But it's like it's something like, when you're if you're not working and you're getting auditions and you're 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 down, you're like, oh god, I've got to do that. I've got to get this job. I've got to get this job, and you put yourself under so much pressure. Now I'm kind of sort of knowing that I've got steady work. Um, so yeah. I'm getting self tapes, and I'm like, yeah, I'll. I'm actually more. I think I probably probably may have more chance of getting self other job now because I'm a lot more relaxed now when mm-hmm. I'm doing self tapes, and I think that's because in the back of my mind, I know I know this is a horrible thing to say for people who you know who are maybe not working. I don't. If I don't get it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And Rub so, and so I've got no sorry. Yeah, so I've got no. Uh, listen, I've made. I paid my dues, man. I've been on. I was unemployed for six years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um. It's one of those. If something else, if something comes, it would need to be something pretty good for me to turn down. Yeah. Again. Um. Uh. But yeah, I mean, I would love. Not that I've ever. Had, I've never been a disappointment. I would love to do a horror movie. I'm. I'm a huge horror fan. I always have been, and I would love to do a horror movie. But to do a good horror movie. Mm. Um, but lo and behold, not many horror scripts come my way. I'll um, write one. We'll do it all about killing Rangers fans. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to come across on this. I've I've never, like, I, I don't talk about football because I'm not, but I don't know why. I'm going to come across, like, the biggest Hun hater. Yeah, the big, the, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the biggest Celtic fan. I mean, I would put money on, people will put money on that you've got a season ticket. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, not genuinely, like, I'm just not, like, I think it's because, like, my best mates are Celtic fans and then, like, our other mates are Rangers fans and there's always, and I'm like the little odd one out that's like, oh, I'm the Scottish boy that supports England in the World Cup. Uh, (laughs) um, So it's like... Rangers fans would love you. Oh no, even Rangers fans don't support England. No, like everybody hates England. Fuck England. It's because I have two English parents. My dad's a fucking football hooligan. Oh, listen, mate. My fucking wife's English. My kids are English. You know, um, I'm trying to drum the Irish into They've got Irish passports, which is great. Mm. But, you know, my kids have mind accents. You know, so um yeah. I'll make it slightly worse for you. My dad's a my, my dad's a Sunderland fan. Oh, my wife's Tisa, my wife's Borough. Where um, Middlesbrough? I grew yeah, up in well, Newcastle. She's, she's from she's from Sedgefield. I, I grew up like just just outside Sunderland. Oh, did you? Well, so yeah. Jenny Jenny's a Borough fan. Her her granddad's Hartlepool. Her dad no, her granddad's Sunderland. Her dad's Hartlepool, and her mum's Newcastle. So and my dad and her granddad will get on. Yeah. My dad goes to all of it. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> well, and it was like, no, until I die. It was like to the point where I would go into school one day and all my mates would be like, I saw your dad at the match last night. I was talking to him. And I was like... <laughs> and then he punched someone. <laughs> no, he's not that bad. Um, But it was like, I don't know. It's just sort of embarrassing when your mates come in and they go, yeah, your dad wears Stone Island and jumps about like a Raji. Do you know what I mean? And I was sat there like, I think I might emigrate. I mean, my um, I would take my uh, my my youngest to the well, not my youngest, my youngest is a girl, but my youngest boy to the football. But my older boy is not; he just he's got no interest in football at all. He um, he just plays guitar and swims 
you know, um, they're very, very different. But um, I love the fact that I can take take one of them to the football because I do like to go and watch football. Oh, I think my dad was well gutted when I was like, nah. Oh, really? I'm going to read some Shakespeare. <laughs> I think it hit him hard. We both got the same name. We're both Ingram. And yeah, yeah I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to read a sonnet. Yes, absolutely. I'm only, I don't read. Go to Sunderland. I'm going. I'm going to go and watch Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> where can everyone find you on social media and keep up to date with what you're you doing? Can't you can't? I'm not on social media. Are you not on I, social I, media? I, I, my wife, my wife runs an Instagram account for me that I don't even know what it is. But no, I give, I give up on Twitter. I've never been on Facebook. I gave up on Twitter because all I ever—it's funny. Again, we talk about football. All I ever did was tweet about football, and I was, and I was slowly getting myself into trouble. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I was just the whole social media thing. No, mm. I went off at me. Well, for off. anyone that wants to keep up to date with the Instagram that his wife runs, it's yeah. Aaron McCusker6474. The links are down in the show notes below. But genuinely, so you know, so so you know, you know my Instagram, and I don't. I just got it up there. All right, cool. There you go. So yeah, but no, no Twitter, no Facebook, no Snapchat, no TikTok. Oh, do you know what? Like, it, it's fucking, it's horrific. Yeah, I've to admit I'm going through that with my 12 year old at the minute. He's just got his phone and, and he's trying. He's always asking about social media, and I'm like, no, mate, no, 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 you're not. He's dad, a lot of his mates are on TikTok and things like that. And I'm like, no, mate, I don't give a shit. You're not going. On Do you know? I feel like it's good in some ways. Yeah, but I I'm a child of. I think I'm the first generation that I grew up with it. Yeah, like I don't remember a time in my life without social media wow. and I think that I may be the last generation like the first generation that doesn't yeah and I would just hang on hang like for as long as you can yeah like like because it is like I look like I don't really give a fuck about what I look like in day-to-day life yeah like I will roll out of bed put a pair of sliders on and walk to the shop for a fake fag good man will not put a picture on Instagram without filtering it yeah. And it's fucked up. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's mad, isn't it? Like, if I ever go missing, they're never going to find me. <laughs> it's weird as well because I tell my, you know, my, 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 my boys laugh at me when I see when they're like, so what, so what did you do? I was like, I used to climb trees. I used to build tree huts. They're like, well, they, they literally look at me like I fucking, like I'm, like I'm a caveman, you know, because my... I climbed trees when I was a mm. kid. My signal went down for like two days, about three weeks ago, and I was like lost. Yeah, my uh, my son lost his phone in Spain a couple of weeks ago, and um, and it was um, yeah, it was it was. I swear to God, mate, you'd, you'd swore someone died. <laughs> so you probably did. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I will let you get back to normal life. Thank you so much for coming well, on, and thank you for being the hundredth episode. Thanks for having me. It's been really, really nice chatting to you, Ingram. It's been an honour, mate. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed it. But I'm aware that you've got children, so I will let you get back to normal life before your wife starts shouting at me. No, sorry, send me an email. Let me know when it's going to be on. I I will actually sit back and listen to this someday. So when it comes out, you know. Do you know what I do? I set an alarm because I do this every week now, but and I don't like listening to it too far, like close. But on the year, I listen to it back. Do you? Right, I've got like a, an app on my phone that'll pop up. Like today, it was Susan Nixon who wrote Two Pints Log and a Packet of Crisps. Ooh, and excellent. that's what I was doing this morning while I was writing up all my notes. Um, but thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for being the 100th episode. It's been such a pleasure. 
And what I like to say to everyone, because you'd find yourself in Glasgow all the time, the first round's on me, but because you're the working actor, the rest are on you. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> I'll definitely, mate. I'll get in touch the next time I'm there. Definitely, 100%. Anyway, have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ingram. All the best, mate. And there we have it, the 100th episode of Drama School Dropout. It's a bit mental. We're in triple fucking digits. It's it's absolutely mad. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to anybody who has ever listened to an episode of Drama School Dropout, to all of the guests that have been on, to all of the agents and publicists and PR people who make this possible every week, that just to all my mates that have put up with the stress that I, I, I've been through over the past year and a bit. It's been absolutely mental and it's crazy that this project that I started during lockdown to keep busy has manifested itself into this like otherworldly beast that none of us could have ever predicted and I genuinely I just feel so grateful from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much to for listening and thank you so much for supporting what I do and who I'm talking to and as the kid that was constantly told to shut up like I can't thank people enough for allowing me not to shut up and to come for coming back and listening to these episodes week after week it it means the absolute world but thank you so much to Aaron McCusker for coming on the show genuinely it was an absolute honor we all know how much of a massive shameless fan I am and how much it shaped and shaped my career and what I wanted to do with my life so genuinely it was a, it was a privilege it was it's something that I'll never forget and I couldn't be more thankful. So make sure to go over and follow Aaron on social media, even though he's not a massive fan of it. While you're there, please give me a follow. It's at Ingram Noble, all one word. We all know the drill by now. If you have a story for stage right or stage shite, please email us at dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling very generous, please scroll down and leave us a rating and a review. It helps us out so much you don't even know. We're an independent podcast. It takes a lot to get us off the ground. So please, please, please give us a rating and a follow. It means the absolute world. And don't forget, you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up to our Patreon using the link in the show notes below for loads of exclusive benefits. And also, Drama School Dropout... Drop Out the Magazine, it's not called Drama School Drop Out, Drop Out. Uh, Drop Out the Magazine is available to purchase now. It's a love letter to this industry from me with articles from guests and stories from guests and just a general insight of what it's like to be a working professional in this industry. Thank you so much for listening to the 100th episode. Genuinely, it means the absolute world. As per usual, I've been Ingram Noble, your resident drama school dropout, and I'll be back again next Tuesday with a brand spanking new episode, so make sure to come back and set your alarms for that every Tuesday at 6am. Have a great week, stay safe, I love ya. Drama school dropout No graduation day for you Drama school dropout Fucked your whole course, now try something new